You might be working on your resolutions for next year. Lose weight. Make more money. Travel to places. Here's a question for you. How are you planning to spend your sexual energy in 2021? Not a question you think about often. Today's guest, Rebecca Lowry, a sexual alchemist. In my mind, the sexual alchemist. She's going to have you reconsider why maybe paying more attention to sexual energy, the life force within all of us, could possibly lead you to the best new year yet, as well as potentially the best life. Get ready. We all need a little bit more wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Rebecca's here to tell you why. It's coming up on Open Loops Conversations That Bend. Hey there. Do you crave constant brain stimulation? You want to go on a head trip but lack a clear destination? What if there was a place you could always go? A theme park for intellectual escape. A place where you could expand your mind again and again and again. I know a spot. It's a podcast called Open Loops, Conversations That Bend, with me, your host and chief looper, Greg Bornstein. That's right. This is the show where, along with many featured guests, we share mind-blowing insights about the topics that take us away from it all. Magic, art, hypnosis, secrets, psychology, spirituality, conspiracy, the supernatural, and perhaps the most mysterious topic of them all, who and what we really are. It's your late night talk show for the shamelessly fringe curious. Welcome. Happy holidays. You're listening to this because you want some form of expansion. You want some form of change in your life about the way the world works. And what makes my ears peak up often is when people are like, yeah, there's this sexual energy you've got inside of you that's really powerful if you use it right. That's awesome. It's awesome to know that, like, we've got something in us already that we don't even have to, like, self-generate. It's just, it's the life force. It's there. Now, how do you channel it? Mm, probably shouldn't just go to, you know, your toys your websites, probably should put it into something meaningful. Hey, did you know that the very things that you might be getting off on, the sexual urges, all those all those self-pleasuring activities, there's a way to transmute those, to change them and make them into something more meaningful? Perhaps cultivating that energy with inside yourself could lead you to a life that was more fulfilling with people of your sexual preference. And uh, there's somebody coming on my show today, Rebecca Lowry, who is an expert in channeling that energy in a variety of different ways. And I was so excited when she came on because what I love about Rebecca is the playful 
energy she brings to the conversation. Uh, there's a bit of mischief. There's a bit of there's a bit of there's a there's a there's an openness, but there's a fun. There's an excitement. She's definitely somebody that, if you were going to work with somebody on uh, the issues that we discuss, I recommend checking her out. I really do. I know she's in the process of doing a big rebrand, uh, and the links to her work is is it's in the show notes. We talk about it, uh, but I I I definitely think she just has such a warmth, but also the warmth plus the play plus the mischief. I don't know if you know. <laughs> I do straight up ask her in this episode if like there's any tantric energy in this podcast whatsoever. Uh, I don't know if I'm bringing that to the table, but I definitely know she is. It's 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 like she's kind of flirting, even even though there's like an intellectual conversation. She's like flirting with uh, the educational faculties in your brain that love learning this stuff. It's like you know I. I I, I can't really explain it beyond being like, wow, yeah, my consciousness, like, my consciousness, I think, got hit on in this episode. I loved it. I loved it. Um, and, you know, she answered some hard questions. I was, I, I very much was like, what is this energy? What is this thing? What's the difference between this and chi? What is Tantra exactly? Also, like, what can sexual energy do that creative energy? can't do stuff like that rebecca she breaks it down so i'm very happy to share this with all of you if you like open loops please share this podcast with your friends if i mean you could share it, other episodes of this with family members uh could share this with your family maybe somebody really needs it and also, please subscribe on Apple Podcasts and rate and leave a review so we can continue to spread positive vibes on this planet that's just going to bring all of us more joy. Because at the end of the day, all these intellectual conversations, they're all serving one thing, making you happier. What makes me happy is having my shift in perception constantly moving. Uh and what makes Rebecca happy is people stepping into their highest selves, often through reclaiming the pleasure that is their birthright because the energy is flowing right through you. Sometimes I'm like, am I speaking something profound or am I speaking nothing at all? It, it just came out. I'm going to trust it. That was profound. I re-listened to this episode before. It's all going to add up. It's all going to make sense. And... Don't just listen to this one. I want you to feel into this one. It's worth it. Rebecca Lowry coming up on Open Loops. Today, we have Rebecca Lowry, the sexual alchemist and author, and she doesn't want you to she's not really a coach but uh you're you're discovering who you are you know what we were just talking before this began about you going through transformation even with the work you're doing uh as you're transforming others so we're gonna get into that i'm excited first off rebecca thank you for coming to open loops 
Hi, Greg. I'm so excited to be here. I've been looking forward to this. Yeah. What have you been looking forward to? Well, I was looking over some of your other podcasts and the and the topics, and I, and I like the um, the the broad range of the mystical, magical, spiritual, and some of the practical. And there were some other sexual bits. So I thought, yeah, I'm going to sit real well in 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 that room. Well, yeah. Were you? Would did you? Um, would you describe yourself as always like very multidisciplinary, like growing up, or did you have to like kind of open up from being one way to all of a sudden like, oh, look at all the candy in this store? <laughs> like, how did this happen for you? That's a great question. the The answer that pops up is that I was always curious. Um, I know when I was about five, and I was ha- having so, a, a doctor do some stuff, and I got to the point where he said to me, to, to my mother, you know, she's very curious. She asks a lot of questions. She's, she'll go far, <laughs> you know, because I don't, oh. I, I, I want to know what's behind the thing and what's behind that and where's the truth and what's really going on. And so I, I think um, the multidisciplinary, multiplic- I can't say it, multidisciplinary part would have evolved, you know, over my life, but yeah, um, really started with an interest in people. You know, how do people work? How do they tick? How, you know, what helps us develop or not develop, you know, that sort of stuff. And it, and then it grew into this work eventually over time. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, what I'm curious about is sort of how people end up in the sexual realm specifically. <laughs> uh, and, and what I mean by that is that like, and I don't just mean like, oh yeah, it's taboo. Like Rebecca's going to end up there. Like da, da, da. What I sort of mean is that, I feel like it's uh, at the end of the day, uh, I even see it on your website. You talk about Napoleon Hill, like people that practice and teach sexuality beyond just having it and the power of those energies are tuned into the life force aspect of it, the transmutation, the stuff that, uh, frankly, for me, I wish Napoleon Hill like could have expounded even more upon in Think and Grow Rich. Like, I, I feel like it is such a broad, I mean, it's everything, man, uh, woman giving life to earth or the other combinations of, you know, people reproducing, like it's, it's the basis of life and right. it's more than just, reproduction like like did you yeah how did you even like get into this field and um you know when did your views on sexuality change first of all I'm really delighted to hear that you have you know an understanding and probably experiences of it being of of sexuality and sexual energy being more than just for reproduction or even just for pleasure you know um, so that's exciting, and I'm sure we'll go down that route at some point. How did I get into it, and how did I know it was more than than just all those things? Well, I'll give you a kind of a, a medium version of how I got into it. I would say I was always a very sexual person, always very curious about sexuality. I was quite promiscuous when I was younger um, from a place of It, I knew there was something more to it than just, you know, I don't know if I can swear on here, but basically just, you know, <laughs> you get if you want penis and vagina sex, you know, just fucking. Yeah. But, because I knew that when I was doing those things, I felt like I was flying in the universe. You know, it was I was plugged into something bigger than myself and bigger than what was happening physically. 
And so I was always fascinated by it. I mean, I, I used to joke that, you know, sitting around having small talk about, you know, what's your favorite band and what food do you like? I don't, I don't care about that. I don't know you, even if you tell me those things, but if I had sex with you, I would know you on a really deep level. <laughs> yeah. You know, <laughs> and you know, that didn't go so well <laughs> for some time. That's hilarious. Wait, do you, you did, do you feel like men, like, I feel like, well, I don't know what kind you know, the population over there, but like in the U S <laughs> it's like, everyone's like, no, I'm not going to just have sex with this guy. That's what all these men want. Like I grew up in the U S. Oh, oh. Yeah, yeah, I didn't come to the UK until I was 21. Oh, interesting. So you, your promiscuity started here. Uh-huh. <laughs> so, so did, did the men like, like, a, like, I, I feel like, uh, and of course this gets the bad rap. This is where slut shaming comes from the idea of being a woman. That's like, I don't care about this. Like you want to go back to my place? Like if you have a comeback girl here in the U S especially even, uh, you know, sexual liberation is sort of, it's a buzz where I gave, I'm going to say it's still there. There is shame around female sexuality still in the culture i believe and to be a woman that's as forthcoming like that these days is like very much a recipe for people judging you um how did it go over for you like did the man like like you're saying that it didn't work or um am i not what what exactly was going on yeah, that's that's great. And we could probably do about <laughs> half a day on that. But <laughs> I, mean, <laughs> I know I'm throwing you a lot, but it's, you know, I'm intrigued. Well, I didn't really care what anyone else thought. And I was lucky that my close friends didn't judge me. And I didn't care what the men thought, because in a way <laughs> I, I wasn't consciously doing this, but in a way it was like I wasn't using them in a bad way, but it was like I know you want to have sex and I get something far beyond what connecting with you from it. So, I mean, this wasn't conscious. I mean, I wouldn't do this now. It was, you know, I'm not exactly yes. proud of this. It was just like, it was almost, you could almost say it's like, I knew that they had the drugs, not actual drugs, you know? Yes. And yes. So I didn't care about being judged. I didn't care what society thought. I was trying to find out what was going on. What was this, amazing awesome thing that was going on beyond the physical and you know I didn't I didn't have any context for it I had never heard of conscious sexuality or tantra or any of that I was just I just knew I was getting something remarkable from it and so you know yeah there's a lot of slut shaming in the world I, I managed to dodge most of it and in fact I would say I mean maybe it was there but I wasn't aware of it I would say some of that came later when I got into this work. I've tried to leave the work a lot because of people's misconceptions, either of what I do or judging who I am or all of that. Until a few years ago, I was like, you know what, what they can have their judgments. I'm going to own this work and get on with it. And, wow. you know, everything's been fine ever since. So, yeah. It makes me think of like the different life life paths for like women in contemporary times. Like either you're going to get slut shamed for like being a promiscuous person or you're going to get sh work shamed for going into sexuality professionally. Like why does it have to be both one yeah. or, or one or the other? Like why can't sex just be a thing? Like no, and guys get it, too. I mean, I know men oh, in yeah. the sexual world you know that do work and and they get shamed for it as well you know shame is pervasive to whatever your gender you know and and sadly it's like if you're having it or you're not having it you get shamed yes yes but yes sex and money right if you don't have sex or money you're shamed if you have too much sex or too much money you get shamed
Wow. Have you figured out like a resolve mm-hmm. for that problem? What's the solution to that? Um, I think self-awareness, knowing yourself really well and not listening to everyone else and, and everyone else's judgments, you know, that everyone else's judgments are usually coming from their own shame. And so it just perpetuates. So if you can know yourself well enough, deal with your own demons and your own shame and how you were raised and all the crap, you know, whatever, then all the other stuff go, going on out in the world and the media and everything, wanting to keep that shame going doesn't get you. You're just like, well, this is who I am. I like sex. Yeah. And as we said before, it's not even about just sex, but I I like exploring my sexual energy. I like working with men and their sexual energy. And I don't feel shame about it anymore. And in fact, if I felt shame about it, I would be doing those men a disservice. You know, I would be working through that energy, which I see in, in the, you know, world of sexual healers and stuff, people who you know, they go to a tantra workshop or something, they have their own awakening of sorts, and then think that that's their path. And then they start seeing people and are perpetuating something bad because they haven't done, you know, they haven't cleared their own channel, as it were. Wow. I don't think it's intentional. I don't think anyone's intentionally harming someone else. But I think, um, I don't even know where we started. I think I just went down. No, no, this is really good. This is, this is what the show is. This is like, it's all about, yes, yes. It's, it's looping. It's looping. I mean, that's, that's right. Um, so yeah, no, we're, we're going to open up a lot of loops, hopefully close some of them for people. Um, but I, I do want to go down this, this, uh, or ride this loop for a second of the, the things that you see when someone goes on a weekend retreat and starts calling themselves a tantric practitioner. Um, and I feel like Rebecca, <laughs> I, I hope that doesn't like make you nervous. Probably not. Uh, um, but I, I want you to say some examples of what are some examples of how that manifests tangibly so that if somebody were to look at different coaches or practitioners or uh, people like yourself and need to make a decision, you would know who to stay away from. Mm, That's a good question. I think. Like, how can you tell when it does go wrong and the shame is transferred over? Like, what are some examples of that? Well, unfortunately, that's something that you might not know until you've worked with someone and seen how they are with you and your stuff. You know, so I've worked with men, for example, who have said that they shared, you know, a fantasy or a thought or an experience with someone and then they were shamed for it in the session or told that that was not okay or it wasn't okay to share or something. And, you know, of course, everyone has their boundaries, of course. But I feel like if you do have boundaries as that sort of practitioner, state them very clearly at the beginning, because as soon as you get someone into a space where they feel they can be open and vulnerable, and then you slam the brakes on them, you know, then that's that's potentially harmful. Yeah. This makes me just want to like crap on like influencers in their twenties. I guess I'm sort of following this path with the podcast. No, but here's what I mean. Um, Not all influencers. I mean, like, Do you feel like there are people out there that like are young, hot things that like and men and women or, or, you know, all genders like that that come out there and are like, I teach Tantra now 
and you can look at them and you're like, no, this person is going to they're going to be thrown some guy that has like erectile dysfunction and all these things. And he's going to come up with a rape fantasy. And this woman is just going to like not know what to do with it or this man. Like, like, do you see that? Because sometimes I look at these young people and I'm like, where's the lived experience? Mm. They're teaching about Tantra. They're teaching about these things like are they really are they really there? And look. I'm not there. So that's why I'm looking at it. Obviously, like, yeah, sure. I'm projecting my shadow on these people. But like, I I do wonder what you're speaking of. Some of these people, I just don't feel like could handle the truths that you've had to confront face to face as someone who's been doing this for years. Do you agree with that? Or am I totally off base? Well, I think... I try to be really careful not to generalize. I mean, I think there's probably some young practitioners that could hold some really big stuff quite well that where, yeah, of course it's great to have some lived experience, um, but that's not all. It's things like I see people who've been going to workshop after workshop, maybe for years, but they, they're, they're not really doing the work. <laughs> on themselves and so then they say oh I've been going to tender workshops for 10-15 years but they're no further along than when they started it's just that they kind of think they are experienced because they've been going but they haven't really cracked their own nut as it were and you know listen I want to be really careful not to be judgmental because I think in terms of people who are seeking help often we find who we need even if that's someone who's going to slap us back because we need that experience to go and be open more fully somewhere else, you know? So I know I love judging people. It's fun. <laughs> um, I know I need to, to rise professional above. here. <laughs> I'm trying to rise above, trying to bu- rise above the ego, but you know what? It just keeps bringing me back down. Um, no, I mean, look, Rebecca, I, I totally, Hey, look, I agree that they're definitely, I can't speak for everybody's experience. I have no idea what's out there. I also just see marketing is so slick. Like yeah. the marketing of this work is so, so good for some people. And you know what? I mean, I'd hate for like a desperate guy to who follows this like really attractive Instagram influencer that's talking about balancing the chakras to like book a time with her because he just has the hots for her too. Like, like, I don't think that's happening all. Is it happening? You think it happens? I think it it does. And here's the thing, you know, sometimes that's not a terrible thing because at least if that person's reaching out and trying to do something that might be better than doing nothing. Do you know what I mean? sometimes just taking that step and the thing is you don't know what you don't know and so there'll be a lot of men for example that so men that come to me that so they didn't have any idea that what I do and what I offer was even available but it was steps that they took with other practitioners or coaches or whatever that kind of led them there and so you know everyone's on a slightly different path and where they kind of enter into the world of sexual healing, sexual therapy, tantra stuff or whatever is different. You know, I see some stuff out there that, you know, I I have to just scroll past sometimes, but that stuff is helping someone else. And that's fine. It's just not where I am. I'm at. <laughs> I really want to know what you scroll past. I just don't want to get you in trouble. Um, but I really want to know. Uh, give me. OK. OK. What's like the most outrageous thing you've seen in social media from someone that is even tangentially related to the work you do? You don't have to mention names, but like what's the kind of thing that you're like, what in the world? They're not bettering any of this. 
That's a great question. Honestly, I think I'd have to give that some thought because I have unfollowed <laughs> that <laughs> That's pretty a smart lot too. and I've come out of a lot of groups. I Earlier this year, I knew that my my business was asking me for a real upgrade in, in terms of energy and in terms of my focus and all sorts of things. And in order to really hear myself and kind of hear the energy of the business, I stepped back from groups I was in and people I was connected to. I needed, you know, I needed to quiet the field so I could focus on, on my own. And so I, I mean, you know, the sort of thing There's, for example, the word Tantra, you know, although I've attended lots of Tantra workshops, it would be more accurate to say they were Neo Tantra workshops that were appropriated, you know, from India. It's Western, yeah. tantra, not actual Tantra. Oh, uh, separate the differences for me right now. I feel like this will be very educational for my listeners, but also for me, because I've never heard Neo-Tantra versus Oh, that. have you not? Okay. The original, well, yeah. You know, so, okay, so there's lots of different forms of Tantra, and I am not an expert on them, so I won't even go down in, into that. But, you know, there, there's roots of, if, if we were to, Tantra kind of came over to the West from India and there's other forms of conscious sexuality or sacred sexuality that are, that come from indigenous people in different parts of the world that have similar teachings to them. Tantra itself isn't even about sex. You know, it, there's a, there's 112 sutras or writings, paragraphs that are the Tantra uh, foundation. And out of the 112, only six of them are about sexuality. In the West, I think we've come to think that Tantra is about sex because A, we've been misinformed and B, we're so dysfunctional around sexuality that anything that embraces it or promises some sort of help with it, you know, we grab hold of, and then we think it's all about sex. So, you know, the Tantra actually isn't about, isn't a focus on sex at all. But Tantra in the West focuses a lot on, on sex. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, when you get all, you get a lot of, you know, dare I say, like white Tantra teachers, you know. I mean, listen, I learned from some of them and I, I don't want to put them down because I, I wouldn't be where I was now without it. I didn't know the difference at the time between the origins of Tantra and what was being taught in the West. I'm really grateful for what I've learned because, you know, I was talking about my promiscuous past. I knew there was something about sex and sexuality that we, you know, weren't being taught and that was that went beyond fucking, basically. And yeah. it was my exploration of Tantra that opened me up, well, Neo-Tantra, that opened me up to all of that. So, um, but I I wouldn't call myself a tantra practitioner. I I don't want to appropriate the word tantra. That doesn't feel right to me. My, my teachers who have did so at a time where we weren't thinking about appropriation, you know. So, mm. and now we are. So it's it's different. You know. Listen, I was I was part of um, some working with some practitioners in London many years ago. And we started a group called Practitioner Powwows. I would never call it that now. I didn't know any better, you know? I wouldn't use the word powwow. That's a very specific thing from Native Americans. That's so interesting. So, you know, and my intention was good, but I, I didn't know better. And I, I left them a long time ago and got in touch with them this year and said, would you please change the name? Because um, although I'm not 
associated with the group anymore. I was part of naming it and I know better now. And they did. I don't know what they called it, but they, they did. So I was going to ask if you feel like you're like a woke, woke person, but at the same time, that's like appropriating a term too. So I won't, um, but it is interesting that you're bringing in this like social justice in a way kind of piece to it, which um, goes against the narrative that I'm familiar with Rebecca these days, which is that like anyone that is into social justice and promoting something that a liberal might promote isn't really spiritual and supporting the great awakening, which is going to be led by Donald Trump. Um, so well, I mean, look, it's not that everybody on my show is a Trump supporter. They're not, but it is interesting how many people in the spiritual space for some reason always lean a little right they usually lean a little especially in the united states right now there with the conspiracy the i know oh that, well, that's good so you're telling me right now that there are spiritual practitioners where you live that were like ecstatic when joe biden won the president's or well Hopefully. I don't think we were all ecstatic when Joe Biden won. Exactly. I would say more relieved that Trump didn't. Oh, well, that's, that, you know, what? I'm glad there are other voices out there. I'm glad. Yeah. Um, now, look, I, I won't say that. I, I don't know. Maybe it's just like a trendy spiritual thing. Maybe people feel the need to like be different in the idea that Joe Biden represents this like very sort of uh, two-dimensional classic establishment politics rhetoric talking the talk and then trump was like spitting in the face of that to them represented like trump was a sign of the fifth dimensional path the truth is coming an alternate timeline where we're at like all this stuff they talk about um i don't think they're paying attention to what's actually like that might that sounds like a pipe dream, but it's not reality. <laughs> See, I mean, I know that, we that, live on multiple realities. Don't get me wrong, but I, I, I'm. They I think Trump's a light worker. Some people think he is a light worker. Yeah, well, they probably are living very privileged lives that are untouched by his rhetoric. Mm, interesting, interesting. This is good, Rebecca. I, I'm glad that you're. Uh, yeah, we're we're shattering some some preconceptions about the spiritual community right now, which is good. Um, okay, back to your promiscuity for a second. Um, oh God. <laughs> no, 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 no. I, no I, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna like uh, go. Well, well, here is my question about that. Um, why were you lucky enough to have a kind of cosmic? experience with your sexuality as opposed to what some people discover early on that you know they they get like really hurt by men like there's trauma sexual trauma sexual assault yeah. um also like you know oh i slept around and then like then i discovered men just thought they were gonna use me and now i don't think i'm capable of loving anyone but i still have an addiction to having sex like the darker paths that somebody that might get curious about sex could be led down um you know i mean was there something guiding you were you predestined to like have a better spiritual experience with this um, I'm I'm really okay. sort of curious what you think, why you were having such great success exploring this at a young age. Well, first of all, I wouldn't say I was having great success. I would say I was having all different experiences. I had shitty experiences too. Um, for me, it was all part of the learning 
but that didn't make it easy or like, woo, that was a shitty experience. I'm going to put that down as learning. You know, it wasn't right, that. I, right. I wasn't that conscious of it at the time. I would say that, you know, we're, we're all here with some different purpose and some different lessons to learn or experiences to have. And I think a lot of, for example, some of the things you're saying that people like ne negative uh, air quote experiences that people have in the sexual realm. Um, you know, we don't know what purpose that's serving in their life. You know, some of those people go on to work with people who've had the same experience and they find their life path that way, or, you know, it makes them act or behave a certain way that leads them to better relationships. I'm not saying I would wish negative sexual experiences on anyone by any means. I'm just saying I don't know what their life path is, what their soul called in, what they got from it. You know, what did, did they learn or grow or evolve from it? I don't know. So, And, you know, I had some bad experiences myself, you know. So it, was, it wasn't all plain sailing, especially, you know, when I was younger and I didn't, I didn't know I was allowed to say no. Oh, so there were some experiences that I didn't want to have and kind of, yeah, I didn't, I didn't know I could say no. Well, I was obviously very stupid and naive, but nevertheless, you know, I can think of two specific experiences where guys said, oh yeah, you owe me sex now. It's like, what? And I, I was scared and said, okay, because I, mm. I felt they knew more than me that I'd done something wrong, you know? So no, it wasn't all say, smooth sailing. I, it's just that. I've been able to, so all of that turned into a time where I kind of took my power back and it was like, well, like you said about, actually, we've gone down so many loops, I can't remember what it was. But basically, <laughs> I know, like, I know. You know. I'm trying to keep up with I, it at this point. <laughs> but basically, was, I kind of took my power back and I was like, I'm just going to find someone in this club because I'm horny and I'm going to take them home. And someone in here will say yes, you know. Um, but that wasn't really conscious. It was just a way of me taking some power back that I felt I'd lost, not better, you know, and that never meant that it made it a good experience. Sometimes it was, and sometimes it wasn't. It was for me more a balancing of something that had sh shifted in me, but it wasn't really with consciousness. It wasn't until years later that I could look back on all of that and go, okay, I know that quite often when I was in a sexual experience I was touching the cosmos or something bigger than myself mm. but it doesn't mean it was a good human experience and it doesn't mean it was good sex it was just something else going on and also you know some, you said something before about women being slut shamed you know women wanting sex whatever I thought I thought that there was something wrong with me that I wanted sex the way I was taught that men would want sex you know because I mean, I'm I'm almost 54, and so in my day, as I said, back in my day, <laughs> right? You know, it was that men would want sex all the time, and women had to decide if they were going to open their legs or not. Where I was like, no, I want sex all the time. This, you know, this powerful energy all the time. What do I do with it? And does it make me a man if I want to sleep around all the time? And it, am I not a woman? And what's wrong with me? And so there was all that as well. It's very confusing. So. You know, and then eventually I started going to all the various workshops that were about self-awareness and healing and energy and bodies and how bodies work. And, 
you know, eventually tantra workshops and started putting all this information together and going, okay, okay, this is painting a different picture for me. And now I can see where choice is and that, you know, I'm a woman because I say I am and I can be a woman who likes sex and that's okay. I was just taught that it wasn't okay, but that's from people that were carrying around, you know, generational shame. What do you have to say right now to people out there that, uh, you know, uh, are looking at their sex lives, especially like women, and maybe are wondering why they um, you know, maybe they, they do have shame about how much sexuality they feel like, like what, do you have a reframe for that? Um, is there, you know, the, I guess two questions. One is like, do they have like, what are the different levels of drives? Did you have a kind of drive that was higher and special, um, not special, but you know, just different than what other, some people have. And if, that is not the case. And you are talking to someone that's like, yeah, I am like a dude. I just want all this sex and I am not a good person because of that or whatever they're, the shame they're feeling, whatever the voice tells them, like, what would you tell them? Well, first of all, that phrase like a dude is it's wrong and shameful, isn't it? A woman isn't like a dude if she wants to be sexual. Yeah. The thing is women have always been wildly sexual and Gosh, I could go back and back and back. Basically, I think tens of thousands of years ago, humans were stripped of their sexual power by the use of shame. I'll come back to that. We can loop right around to that. But yes. particularly, women's sexuality was squashed because, you know, women bring life into being, you know, that's pretty awesome. Yeah. And, and you know, there's lots of, stories written to suppress women's sexuality the whole flipping thing about even the apple you know is wrong i mean i can't remember the whole story now but there's there's this whole other story a rewrite of it there's a rewrite everything that we study and learn and make truth nowadays is not true like yesterday was um friday the 13th and everyone's like ooh spooky Friday, bad things happen actually the number 13 was very sacred and it was a very feminine number and it was to do with, you know, witches and magic and sacred feminine, but it's been turned evil. Interesting. <laughs> so, so, you know, if, if you're a woman or even if you're a man or you're trans or whatever, whatever your gender, I would say do some work around your inner feminine and your inner masculine and your inner sexual energy, not about what anyone else has ever taught you about sex or sexuality or who you are as a sexual being or how much desire and arousal you should or shouldn't have. What is true for you? That's it. What is true for you? Women are wildly sexual and so are men and some aren't yeah. and that's okay too. You know, I'm amazed that so much of your focus has been, I mean, going on uh, self-alchemy.com, uh, which I know might change. We, we were talking before this yes. interview that, you know, you're going through the, the you might be closer to the rebrand by the time this episode airs. Um, yeah. But yeah. looking at your course, Keys to the Kingdom, uh, it does seem like primarily you are working with men. And yeah. we've spent a lot of time talking about like your sexual awakening. Uh, how does it go there? With men? Yeah. How'd you get from like, because I feel like your journey could have been like, 
I was exploring, I was curious about sex. And then I look back on what this was and, and I realized this is what I was tapping into. And now I help other women like me cultivate. So like, yeah, how'd you get to here? That's a great question. Well, when I first started doing the work, which is about 14, 15 years ago, I assumed I would be working with women. And at the time I kind of opened my doors to anyone that felt drawn to work with me. So I've over the years, I've worked with women and couples and men and briefly with teens and with trans people. I've worked with everyone, but it seems over the years, I've learned that my sweet spot is with men and particularly with men kind of in their 50s-ish, middle-aged men who have little to no experience. You know, the kind of self-proclaimed geeky, nerdy guy, IT engineering, those guys. That's my sweet spot. That's where all this rebranding is going towards. Interesting. Yeah, I I think. When you say no experience, like were they married like like ever? Or are we talking like really people that have really not spent a lot of intimate time with women? Yeah, that. Like my guys, I call them my guys because they just blast my heart open <laughs> yeah they've usually not been in a relationship before or maybe there's been some dabbling when they were younger but you know something's happened along the way where they've just shut it down been afraid lost their confidence told they weren't enough you know shame 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 fear 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 and then at some point you know they they kind of hit middle age and something there's some kind of catalyst you know sometimes it's Sometimes it's just that they come across me or the work and they didn't know it existed. They didn't know there was help. Sometimes, you know, someone very dear to me, he came because his best friend had died and he realized he was only living half a life, you know, that Mm. kind of thing. So there's either some kind of awakening in them that they know it's time to do something about it. Or like I say, or they, they come across help when they didn't know that there was help. And so that's what usually makes them, you know, take action in some way. And, you know, I've worked with all ages, all walks of life, all religions. I've worked with teens. I've worked with 80-year-olds. You know, it's it's been amazing. But um, one of my teachers asked me years ago, she said something about, what's your demographic? And I said, everybody. <laughs> she said, everybody's not a demographic. And yes. I was horrified. I was like, I can't possibly limit who I work with because I want to be available for everyone. And I did that for years. But what I've realized now is that the work has deepened and I is it's, this may sound odd, but it's just what I was put here to do. And I feel like everything I've done up to this point has been training for what I'll be offering moving forward. And, um, And the work itself has its own energy that I kind of am in communion with all the time. And it wants to, I I mean, it's not very sexy, but niche down, you know, it wants me to focus specifically on this area. And like I say, they're my guys. I fall in love with all of them, not in a romantic way, but in a more in a mothering way, if anything, you know, like my mentor calls what I do sexual remothering (laughs) because it's going, and it's not about their mother, but about more divine mother. It's more about the repatterning of your neural pathways and biochemistry. Oh, wow. wow. Another loop we've gone down. <laughs> yeah, I know. You're like, you just yeah. opened up a whole nother world of like, what? Wait a sec. This is 
Okay. Okay. I, I get feel- lost and then I, then I gotta figure, I gotta feel like what, what loop am I in right now? Uh, so, I- so we're talking about men and we're talking about the niche of men. Um, I, I do wonder like the way sexual energy works. If you do have an IT guy that's in his fifties and really hasn't spent a lot of time with women. And I mean, Maybe uh, you never know what could be there. Could be porn addiction. Could be um, maybe like, here's what I'm wondering. Say you do meet a guy that like has never masturbated and is in his fifties and works in IT is in front of a computer, that kind of thing. Like energy isn't created or destroyed. Therefore, like, where is that getting transmuted? Like, what are the various ways that like this energy actually spills out or doesn't? Yeah, that's a, that's a really good question too. And I would say what, where my mind goes first when you ask that is that often it's just so suppressed mm. that it doesn't come out, you know, and like I'm just, I'm kind of flipping back through, you know, my guys and I would say it's almost rather than that energy leaking out, it's almost like they've got the lid on so tight that their life force is almost cut off and so instead of being and feeling and experiencing their life in full technicolor they and their life feel a bit black and white yes yes so, that makes know, sense. So it's not even leaking out it's not even leaking out enough for their life to feel juicy their life feels a bit dry and desiccated and I mean, that's maybe sounds judgy. I don't mean it judgy. What I mean is that they're they're not getting much joy in their life because if you cut, if you close the door to to sexual pleasure, the door to pleasure is is closed. You know, there's not another door, and so it's kind of that. And so then, as they start to open up and allow, you know, their confidence to grow, and they get a bit of experience, and they start to know who they are, and some self awareness, we clear some of the stuff that was blocking them. I would say it's more like going from black and white into Technicolor. Wow. 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 Yeah. I mean, are you, are you changing the way that uh, you've approached this work previously? I mean, you mentioned like uh, rewiring neural pathways, stuff like that. Uh, Typically when I, when I hear sexual alchemist, here's what I hear. I, or at least I, I associate, I imagine like, meditations and like sometimes Reiki sessions and physical exercises to get people uh, tuned in. And actually, I guess what I really imagine is kind of like the classic, like the woman putting her hands over the different energy centers of the man and the man kind of like convulsing with like aliveness, which, hey, I mean, that's magical stuff. Um, It seems to be something's going on there. Um <laughs> What 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 exactly like were you doing and how has that changed? Okay. Um another good question. The work has definitely evolved. And I, I would say, I mean, I'm and for years, it's hard for me to think back over all the years what I was how I was doing sessions when I first started, but certainly where I know you it cater starts- it to each person, like, like, a, you know, your, your yes. work, you're very open about that on your website and what you talk about, like, it's, it's never going to be this, like, you have a lot of tools that you could throw at yes. someone. So I'm not expecting a blanket answer, but I am sort of curious uh, what yeah. the practices were. 
Yeah, no, that, no, it's a really good question. And, you know, it's one of the biggest questions that potential clients ask me as well, because they want to know what's going to happen, you know? <laughs> right, but, right. And so it's a two-part answer, really. One part is there isn't a set thing that I do, because, you know, if I was working with 100 men with the same issue, they all got there differently. They've all had different experiences and conditioning and all of that. So th there's not a set route that we take. However, there is a pattern that has evolved over years and years of doing this work. And, you know, it won't be exactly precise for everyone, but generally the first few sessions that we do together tend to be the clearing out of your body and energy system of that which no longer serves you. So, you know, any, any experience we've had has a chemical, you know, we become aware of it because there's a chemical reaction in our body. And if we process it as it happens, it, you know, it goes through us and we're done with it. But if we don't, it gets stuck in our system. And there's a, there can be a chemical, physical uh, element, and there can be a metaphysical energy stuckness element as well. And so I use my hands a bit like stethoscopes and kind of listen to the body. And, you know, there's, I don't know if you know, but you, you can use intention if you're clear, if you're a very clear channel or whatever, and using intention and focusing on what's coming up and what the body's telling you to clear blockages and obstacles and shame and fear and conditioning and habits and patterns and thoughts that, that don't serve anymore. And as that happens, what, what happens is then who they really are before the conditioning happens starts to arise. And then the, the following sessions are starting to entice that part out, starting to entice out that gorgeous, pure, you know, untainted, which is a terrible word, but I can't think of anything better right now, yeah. part of them, you know, the who you really are of you that's at the core before you got all this shit dumped on top of you about sexuality and who you are and your body and pleasure and all of that. And so as that comes up, you know, we start to work with it and play with it and embed him and em teach them to embody him. It's sort of like, you know, giving them the keys to the Ferrari, as it were, <laughs> or, no. you know, or, or, or it's one of my programs, you know, the keys to the kingdom, <laughs> because I think we need more men like that, more men who are consciously aware of their power and, you know, walking through the world confident, but embodied confidence, not not ego confidence, you know, they're connected to their heart, connected to their soul, find some purpose. It's just awesome. I think I, I did a loop again, didn't I? <laughs> no, 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 no. You, you probably just looped yourself a little bit, but I'm like, I'm thinking, <laughs> I'm thinking about the, um, oh gosh, like how many years of practice does it take for you to be able to like put your hand over a energy center of a man and direct intention into opening that person up. I mean, Rebecca, I've ah, seen, I've seen, I don't, do, I don't oh. do any, I don't put anything into. Oh, mm -mm. what is it? What's so, the difference? What's really interesting back when I was learning all of this stuff, like 25 years ago, the way that I was being taught energy work back then was put, you know, good energy in or positive energy or light or whatever it is, put that in. And, and I did that for a few years, but actually I, my feeling is that the way that humans and human bodies and energy centers needs 
to transform now is not to put anything more in. It's to remove that which isn't really us because that which you really are, that consciousness will arise when all the, that which you aren't is moved out of the way. And so I, you know, I had, um, a few years ago, I was going networking for, for some reason. It seemed like a good idea. It wasn't. Uh, <laughs> and um, I was trying to think of, you know, we're supposed to give this like 15 second pitch or whatever it was. And one of the things I came across when I was trying to think of it was something that was, it was said that Michelangelo said it. I don't know if it's true, but he was asked, how did he carve the David out of a block of marble? And he said, I didn't. I just removed that which wasn't the David, and David was revealed. Mm, love and that's quote. what I do. I, yes. I just removed that which isn't who you really are, and who you really are is revealed. And then we spend some time getting to know him and grounding him in you and helping him live in the world. Wow, 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 wow. That is uh I'm just imagining like like you know, I, and I know it's all metaphorical, so it's uh, hard to really, you know, express what's happening. The map is not the territory, as they say in right. neurolinguistic programming, uh, which was, I guess, appropriated isn't the right word, but taken from, <laughs> but but it was taken from uh, other another field. But um, you know, the map's not the territory. However, you gave me the metaphor, so let's work with it. Mm -hmm. Suppressing sexual, suppressing sexual energy. I'm imagining a man there. I'm imagining just like almost like uh one of those medicine commercials, like like the the hollow body of the man, and then like the red sexual energy, like just like kind of like circling around like like almost in a like a dim but like energetic pulsating ball like sort of in the in the uh around the hips like kind of root chakra area what in that area um pelvis and then like you're sitting there and you're like yeah there's a whole lot of like all this other all these other colors and blockages stopping this like pulsating repressed suppressed energy going on there so you're sitting there and you're like okay my intention is to remove all these other colors and get that red to burst open um so uh, not but but not mm, interesting but yeah yeah, not, yeah clear up this metaphor an intention the intention to move anything that is not who they really are, but not to burst anything open, I would say. So how is the sexual, I guess then that's where I'm confused, that it's suppressed, then how does it, how is it who they, I, I'm imagining like a suppressed energy has to expand before it becomes who they are. So where is, uh, yeah, how would you color this not, in? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's not that I call it in or anything like that. It's more that it's okay. If you wipe the dust off an old table or desk, you can see the grain of wood that you couldn't see previously. It was always there. You just couldn't see it because something that wasn't it was covering it. And so if I, using that metaphor, move the dust out of someone Mm. they are revealed they're already there so i'm not calling something through that wasn't there it's already there got it got it so the energy is already spread throughout the body it's just that there are tons of layers of dust from years and years of suppression and you're you're doing like a extreme cleaning job kind of thing i mean i did 
joke for a long time that really I'm just a cleaner, you know, <laughs> go in yeah. and clean up the system. The truth is, though, it's like once you clean up the system, it's not like suddenly they, you know, they're like, I know how to be a sexual being now. It, then there's practice. It's like you could go to the gym, hire a trainer who says, this is how you lift weights correctly to build biceps. And so you start practicing. Well, if you don't keep practicing, your biceps aren't going to grow. And every now and then you probably need another trainer to kind of keep you on track. So it's the same. We, I can show them this is who you are. We can clear out the stuff. But A, stuff's always going to arise because we're multilayered. And, you know, if, we're, if we've got to our 50s, 60s, we're multilayered and we've got multilayers of, of stuff and conditioning and habits and shame, right? So we clear yeah. We, you know, that which you are is revealed. We start to ground him in you and play with him and give him tools and resources to grow and evolve. And then, and then we'll hit on something, you know, you, your mother issues trigger or something else gets triggered and, and then we can work with that. And then it's, you know, hopefully um, arming, which is maybe not the right term, but, you know, giving these men a, a expansive toolkit to keep growing and evolving because stuff's always going to come up and happen, you know. Do you have Task Rabbit over there? We do. Oh, you're like you're like a a Task Rabbit for getting men to want to reproduce like rabbits. Like you no. should <laughs> No, because Are you? Because actually having sex in that way isn't really the goal. What it's happens have you ever created a monster that you know of? Like what happened? <laughs> Here's what I mean. Like, I mean, like, have you ever woken someone up and all of a sudden they become Hugh Half, Hugh Hefner, Casanova, like Russell Brand at his peak? Like, like, have you ever accidentally cleaned it up and been like, oh, whoa, 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 uh, grab the dust, pour it back on. We need some more dust. We need to stop this guy. He's taken over. Um, and well, no, because we're not. Because you know, removing that which we're not is we don't then get to ego. We get ah. to soul. And so, you know, it's, I, I'm not revealing the ego self that wants to go out and be a Casanova or the ego self that, you know, wants a string of women so they look like they've done something. That, all that's being, you know, cleared away as well. The idea is to, is to come through, you know, what does your heart and soul really want beyond the conditioning? So the, um, does the, does, can, can there be a soulful womanizer? Yeah, I think so. I think, um, <laughs> Even womanizer is yeah, such I like a ba patronizing that. term. I mean, that's like so just using what women. what you mean by that, doesn't it? Because, you know, I don't know that we ever completely remove ego unless we are, you know, awakened guru. And then you'd be into non-duality. And I don't know, that's a whole nother realm that I, I don't know that I can speak too much. So can you have... Can you have a soulful womanizer? I know there's people that claim to be, but I don't think are. <laughs> um, yes, yes. Well, and then, of course, there are people that I just like. I mean, you know, we, we're talking about it a lot in uh, the U.S. with that documentary, the uh, Nixium, uh, the the vow about the the cult that was well, the I don't sex know cult. much about that. I've seen a little bit here, but yeah. Yeah, I mean, people yes. that use these spiritual things as a way of, like, I'm healing women. And then, like, but that's totally not what we're talking about. I mean, like, can you have a man that is uh transcends his ego wakes up and like also like 
very openly and honestly and it's like and i love women and i love sleeping with women and i even love having like shorter relationships with women i mean yeah why not i, I mean i i feel a little awkward answering that because i feel like I'd like to think it's possible. I couldn't tell you that I've seen a good example of it. <laughs> I feel like there's no good example of it. I feel yeah. like there is like I've never seen. I mean, I don't know, but it, it would be hard to tell. I mean, like, like what if, you know, is there a Dalai Lama that wears a smoking jacket? I don't. <laughs> and, you know, all of this, too, kind of taps into old ideas. You know, it could be some, for example, some chap who... I don't know, is unassuming and has some job that isn't to do with awakening women. Um, you know, I don't know, maybe he just, you know, delivering pizza or fixing cars, but so happens when he is intimate with someone, they have some sort of feeling. Mm, yeah, you're right. You're right. You're totally right. Like this is even the the very idea of a player is coming from another it's coming from like dude just likes to bang kind of like mentality um yeah so look i'll try to meet you on this other let's let's go up the dimensions then of thought for a second i'll try to meet you rebecca because i know my ego has been like dragging you down to judgments and just like <laughs> i know okay okay i'm glad i'm glad you feel like you can transcend the power of this cynicism <laughs> over here but okay so here's what i'm wondering then you teach these, you're working with men right now. You yourself have had these experiences. Um, what about the world? And what would it look like? What do you imagine the world would look like if it everybody was sexually enlightened? Like oh what do you, yeah. <laughs> I, I really want to know because part of me is like, look, if kids were somehow taught about a healthier way of relating to these ideas. And yes, it is. You don't just want to start talking about sex to kids like at a yet too young an age. But also, I feel like some of the programming it, from what it sounds like, from what you're saying, it could go wrong with the it. It could not be as helpful based on some of the old paradigms of thought to keep continuing raising people into an environment where they have to discover things for themselves in this way after years of questioning and potentially trauma. So I wonder how would you, like if you were in charge of, okay, you're like you're remothering these men, but like if you were to remother mothers and teach them how to bring people into a world that's a little more sexually enlightened, um, what would you say to them? The first thing, rather than remothering mothers, I would say all adults who in, engage with children anyway. So any parent, any teacher, librarians, after school caregivers, you know, anyone, I would say rather than having that phrase teaching children about sex, what about teaching children boundaries and consent? Uh. What about teaching children that their bodies are fine just as they are what about teaching children that you don't have to earn pleasure that pleasure is your birthright what about teaching children good communication and that it's okay to say yes and to say no and to receive a yes and to receive a no and teaching them that their no has power and will be respected and teaching them that they can choose who touches them and where they touch them 
or if they're touched at all. So there's a lot of skills that we could be teaching children that will then apply to their sex life when they get there. Wow. I mean, they're life skills, aren't they? (laughs) They're life skills. Yeah, this is really great. That's That just blew my mind a little bit. Yeah. (laughs) I know. I think that's like, I'm thinking about like, oh, if you cover all those bases, pretty much like people are just going to have a completely new understanding of these things once they confront them like that yeah i wonder um have you ever seen a kid that's like had that conditioning traded to them and what's turned out like like is there an example of anybody doing this in the world like you just described i don't know i could tell you two things that come to mind when you ask one is that a number of years ago i was teaching at a festival in sweden i can't remember what it it was like a it wasn't a Tantra festival, but it was something, it was like a pleasure festival or something, but it was family friendly. So there were families there. And I ran a couple of conscious sexuality type workshops. And at the end of one, um, one of the women came over and she said, look, I'm in charge of the of the teen group activities here. And you were awesome. Would you come and talk to the, to the teens? And I was like, uh, okay, <laughs> I've done that yeah. before. I was really, ner- I was more nervous than anything I'd ever done before. Cause I was like, oh my God, this is like, yeah, that you know, sounds nerve wracking for life if I don't do this. <laughs> yeah. You know, and I went along and there was, I don't know, maybe a dozen kids ranging from, I think the youngest was 13 and the oldest was 18. The ones that were younger than 15's parents had consented to them being there. And I, talked a little bit about boundaries and consent and good communication. And then I thought, you, you know, let me ask you, what do you want to know? Cause I thought they're, they're not going to ask their teachers or parents, you know, and I've just been really open with them. And I've said words like pussy and penis to them. Right, you know? right, but, right. And my God, they, I can't remember what they asked, but it was just intelligent questions. They were sharing experiences they'd had that had gone wrong and what could they do to make it better next time. And they were, they were awesome kids, you know, so their parents were on the right track. Funnily enough, um, gosh, even years before that, I was in a workshop. I can't remember what we were talking about something to do with, you know, how our parents fucked us up around sexuality. Right. And this one guy in the group said, actually, my parents were really open about sexuality and they celebrated my sexuality and I'm just as fucked up as the rest of you. <laughs> so that was pretty funny. You know, it's like, <laughs> uh, yeah, because I think ultimately whatever our parents do, we still live in a world that wants to either shame us or condition us in a certain way. And so, you know, parents might be doing their best and still we're going to go out in the world and have some experience that, you know, is, isn't great. We're not there yet as a human cohort, but hopefully we're on the way. I'd love to put myself out of a job. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that is so, I, yeah. I mean, I I could, I could imagine, you know, what that, have you thought about the, the second part of the original question, which is like, what do you imagine the world would look like if people were like this? Yeah, I I have thought about it and I like to think that we'd get there probably not in my lifetime. Well, no, definitely not in my lifetime. <laughs> There's a lot. I I think, you know, I think in order to answer a question about what the future might look like, 
like that, I would have to go back to my thoughts about our ancient history. And I, this may sound really out there. No, no, please. The I, more out there, the better. Excellent. I, I have this intuitive gut feeling that many tens of thousands of years ago, m- maybe before we were quite so solid and gravity was quite so heavy that we we lived very differently on the earth and with our own bodies and with each other and that you know sexuality and pleasure and intimacy was expressed very naturally and freely and the, the sexual energy is a, is a superpower when you know how to use it and you know when you tune into it, when you really tune into it and you've cleared a lot of stuff out the way, I think that our sexual energy is the web of energy that connects us to everything. So for example, we wouldn't be able to chop down too many trees because we would actually feel not being able to breathe in our lungs, or we wouldn't be able to poison the rivers without feeling it in our blood system. You know, we would feel it. We've been disconnected from that feeling, which is why we are able to destroy the earth. So I think that whatever powers that be were around at that time that was arising wanted, you know, how do you control masses when they have a natural superpower, sexual energy and love, right? Two of our biggest superpowers. Well, you cut them off from the neck down, you shame their bodies. And so our, our civilization has grown up valuing the thinking analytical mind and you know anything that's a thinking analytical thing and we've shamed everything from the neck down so you know you know we talk about heart-led things as being mushy and we talk about gut instinct as ridiculous and felt sense of knowing is not valued and god you know don't even get me down as far as the base chakra and sexual energy you know that's just we've got all sorts of horrible names for that and so i feel like Moving forward, we would be more embodied, we'd be more present, we would be more connected with ourself, our true self, and each other, and nature, and the planets, and the stars, and, the, you know, all of that, and we would live more harmoniously and wouldn't be able to do any, any damage because it would, we would feel how it damaged us. This is so good. This is so good. Wait a minute. This is exactly. And you know, you you were well, you managed to get us back on a track that I wanted to really kind of, um, you know, zone in on as we sort of wrap things here, which is sexual energy i don't even know actually you know and i'm not going to say i wrap things because i have no idea because i'm about to ask you a very loaded question could go on long a little longer um which is this what is sexual energy beyond doing it like when you say you are not just here to reproduce you are a sexual being like and people and people just think of reproduction and sex education and all this stuff like no no like at its peak what do you mean when you say fully embrace the sexual being that you are well sexual energy at its core is creative energy right it's life force energy it's like it is raw creative energy and so we, it's like, we, we can use it to create, we, we use it to create whether we're conscious, conscious of it or not. 
right? So we, you can yeah. you can channel sexual energy in lots of ways, for example. So, for example, when I first started exploring the conscious side of sexuality, um, the artist in me, I had made art for years and then I quit doing it when someone told me what I was making wasn't real art. <laughs> Uh, and uh, more shame more shame i hate that okay fine. i shut it down and then when i started consciously discovering sexuality and what what was it if i tapped into it with intent and with consciousness i it's like i became compelled to make art and it was like i was like using sexual energy to make art you can use sexual energy to do the hoovering you know it's you can use it to be alive to feel alive and connected to everything around you. It's like, it is the matrix. Oh, whoa, whoa, what do you mean? What do you mean? Tell me more. Okay. <laughs> now you, you threw work. the matrix word out there. You put the matrix word. I know, in there, I just made... put it, I know, I see what I just did. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, I, I'm gonna try and feel it and, and put words to it from a feeling place. Totally so fine. when I tune into it, if I am like a, um, I've lost the the word I was going to use, but basically a focal point where lots of energy lines come together. Mm, mm, Yes. Then I appear, say say consciousness, let's call it consciousness. And and then all these lines of consciousness come together and appear as Rebecca. But all those lines of energy, I'm really just energy, right? And that energy for me feels alive. It feels like creative energy, sexual energy, that which evolves itself. I'm not that I'm putting this very well. And so when if I tap into, it's like if I tap into my sexual energy and then take it out beyond my body and then out some more, the first thing I can feel, I can start to feel the trees that are around this house. I could take that energy focus down into the ground and connect with earth energy. I could take it out into the stars. You know, the stars are my lovers <laughs> quite oh. frequently. You can, t- you know, it's all energy. Stars exist as energy. Trees exist as energy. People exist as energy. It's how do we meet those energies? What's the difference between that and chi? Like, I feel like there's something very specific about the sexual piece of it. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I'm not sure that I could speak to that because I'm I'm not sure what people who specifically study chi would say that that is. Like you I, feel it, it coming from the force of, I mean, that, that thing that you said before, like, I'm just imagining like you were like, there's something between my legs and it feels powerful and I need to embrace it. Like when you are, when the stars are your lovers, like, is it still coming from that initial curiosity or is that curiosity expanded throughout your body now that you've studied this throughout years and it's just like, I know this is sexual energy and the stars know it too. So it's kind of all of that apart from, I would say it doesn't really originate in my genitals necessarily. You know, that's a, that's a quick place to go to switch it on or connect with it for sure. Yeah. Yeah. When I and sometimes that's where it like wakes up, you know, like that's where the switch gets thrown, as it were. But very quickly, it kind of like it feels like my whole body is a network of energy lines that are running sexual energy. And 
I can tune in to it specifically to become aroused for what we think of as sex, but I can also send this energy out and say, you know, hey, are there any stars that want to make love? And I can, it's like I, it's like you, you can feel them come and connect with you. It's like they send their star energy down those threads of energy that feel to me sexual. And and to go back to what you were saying about chi. Yeah, I I think that there's lots of different energy vibrations that we can tap into. And for me, the sexual one feels um, like life force energy. The thing is, I think it depends on how you tap into it as to how you can use it. So you know how a, a light wave can be, what is it like? It can be a wave or a particle, right? Yeah. Light can be a wave or a particle depending on how you look look at it. Yes. Sexual energy can be arousing, but it can also be healing. It can also help you create. You know, I know a composer who uses a sexual energy to compose. Um, so, you know, you can use it to make babies. You can use it for, you can use it just when you need to feel loved. So there's, there's lots of ways that sexual energy can be used. And obviously, as you touched on earlier, there's a, there's a shadow side to that as well. Hmm. I'm wondering what creativity without sexual energy looks like. Yeah, I don't know. I'm not sure I've ever tried it. <laughs> I mean, I feel like I've watched a lot of TV that tells me that <laughs> that might be that. Um, no, I mean, like, do you feel like creativity and sexual energy are always connected? Or can you be a creative? Like, could this composer not have to tap in and still be able to put out something? He probably could. Because he was put here to do it. You know, like he is just a channel for that, uh, the compositions that want to come through him. You know, actually what's her name? Um, uh, Elizabeth Gilbert talks about creative energy really beautifully, I think, where she yes. talks about, you know, creative ideas have their own energy and they will find someone to birth them into the world. <laughs> oh. And, you know, if, if this person doesn't do it, it'll find someone else. She does. I mean, I find her slightly irritating, but she does a great TED <laughs> about right. creative energy. Uh, yeah, creative energy. Just awesome. So 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 you think creativity is possible without it, potentially. But what happens when sexual energy joins it? Like, what's the difference? What is like an artist picking up a paintbrush and just like being a muse? for what's supposed to come out versus like an artist that is like really tapped in to their life force. I think that the art will feel different and it will feel different to different people. You know, someone who, who is not in tune with their sexual energy or hasn't dealt with some trauma or whatever, they may be put off by art that was created with sexual energy. It may feel threatening or unpleasant to them. Right. Whereas art that was made with that might feel very attractive to someone else. And just to be clear too, when I talk about creative energy, I'm not even just talking about creative arts, you know, it, how you parent, how you clean your house, how you do whatever your job is, how you live your life. We live our lives creatively. So that creative energy can be put into anything. And even as we're talking, it's feeling to me a bit like, and this may sound judgy and I really don't mean it that way, but like maybe something created without sexual energy is a bit more black and white and with sexual energy, it's a bit more technicolor, a bit more vibrant, a bit more alive, but that's not going to be right for everyone either. 
I really thought you were about to be like, Greg, <laughs> this podcast has no sexual energy whatsoever. You no. Are. Have you heard your own voice? You've got a sexy voice. <laughs> well, <laughs> well, first of all, I appreciate that. But second, like, but also I, I feel like I could use this voice to be like, like put on a total show, make it kind of sound like I'm flirty and then like <laughs> just come from this analytical place. But I'm like playing with these ideas from a like, like you said, like you're an analyst. There are analytical things out there. I was like, is she describing me? for a second like overly intellectual and analytical thing crap um no, there's well, definitely a place to have um critical conversations about sex and sexuality and pleasure and you know how society is dealing or not dealing with that for sure because communication is one of the crucial components of how we express ourselves sexually or not right so totally yeah. totally no no i mean look and, and in full I, I I feel like this is a very um, this is a you know what I'm going to say it this is a tantric podcast we've been having okay it's a tantric <laughs> experience um, no <laughs> um, yeah this is like kind of this is fascinating stuff and it really makes me wonder about also too um, like Elvis and <laughs> and Marilyn Monroe and people that I mean some of these people they were like it was like Elvis shook his pelvis. That is sexual. Marilyn Monroe dressed in a way that was like, oh, yeah, this is sex um, being used in an iconic, commodified way. I do wonder, though, like, can you look at pop artists and famous people? I guess I, I wonder philosophically, do all famous people that like get successful these days that the public sees the sexual energy has to be there, right? Otherwise, do you think they wouldn't resonate with people as much? Yeah, that's an interesting question. And I, I would ha I think I'd have to spend some time thinking that to give a really good full answer. But I would say the thing that makes someone a great lover or have stage presence or create great relationships or where you feel you've been seen and heard, which is what we're all looking for really. And which is what intimacy really is. Those people have presence. You know, I used to do a talk called the number one, most important skill for bedroom and business. I'm uh, sorry for board. For, yeah. Bedroom and business. And it was presence. So if someone's really present, usually they feel very sexually alive because oh. they're in their body and they're right here with you. And I think that's what those stars had. Yes. Yes, yes, that's one of one of my uh, teachers in in college when, at the Stellas Adler Studio of Acting, uh, Aletha Aletha Phillips. She's a voice and speech teacher of mine, uh, and okay. she yeah, she's fantastic. She was saying that what is the it factor, and her answer was presence, being present. People that resonate on stage are people that are really good at being present with you and part of me is like is is there something else like is bill clinton more charismatic than other people but like to prove that point alethea told us a story that when she was in college or maybe even younger she she met bill clinton i think she was in high school she met bill clinton on like some school trip and he she was like the monica Lewinsky thing mm -hmm. i get it mm -hmm. she's like i get it i met this guy he, no one else is in the room when you meet him like that whole thing made sense 
Um, so, and it's compelling. That's the thing. When someone's present and you feel like they've seen into you, you know, like one of my teachers used to say, intimacy is into me see. It's the thing oh. we deeply desire and the thing we fear the most. We want to be seen and heard and we're afraid of it. And so when someone with that presence shows up and you can feel their energy in the room, it's either terrifying or compelling, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, final question for you, sex magic. What is it? Sex magic. Like what even, it feels like it's like two loaded words. People put yeah. it together. Um, the dark, the occult and the black <laughs> magicians practice sex magic rituals, magic with a K. Like it definitely, I guess it's supposedly being used in secret societies and you know, the, the, all this stuff. But like, I feel like you don't go there. And also I feel like um, yeah, you have a very specific use of it. So yeah, so uh, what is I it? use sex magic all the time, but not with like hooded cloaks and, and all of that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the really quick basic answer to that is raising sexual energy with intent and releasing it with intent. So having a clear intention, never aim your sexual energy at a person without their consent right so using oh. it with intent with it with an a, um a clear intention sending your arousal to that intention or your orgasm to that intention so usually it's during sex that has been agreed upon that you use sex magic well again another rabbit hole we could go down but i'm aware of time <laughs> it depends on what you mean by during sex, if if you mean like penis and vagina stuff, well, that's one tiny expression of it. It could be, you could have a breath and energy orgasm where you're not even touching yourself or anyone else. You, you know, you can. I guess I'm imagining like, when would you use it with consent in a context with another human being? My partner and I do all the time. <laughs> um, with that, with, with, and, and you're not actually like having intercourse, like you're like. Sometimes. Like, so, I mean, for me, and this is where I get a little personal for me, any, most expressions of my sexuality, if not being used with some sort of intent, I, I can't even imagine it's, it would just be boring. I mean, even when, when I'm being sexual just for pleasure, there will be intent in it. Um, it might be just that intent is to experience pleasure. Don't get me wrong. It doesn't always have to be high and mighty. Um, quite often, if my partner and I are exploring it together, it might be, so there may or may not be intercourse as such, like physical intercourse, but often there's energy intercourse, whether there's physical or not. And um, and then we decide, you know, where do we want to send this energy? Maybe we send it into one of our businesses, or maybe we send it into healing something that's, you know, gone in one of us, or, you know, like, but with some sort of intention for where that energy is to flow. So if you're like looking at your partner, I mean, I really want like a tangible example of you doing sex magic without like being in bed like, and your partner is like working with you. Like, are you like, Hey, I want to do some sex magic today on this. 
like we're, we're going to talk through this before we do it or I feel like it can't be that cut and dry like it's I feel like it's um yeah what, what what's an example maybe it could I don't know I mean that's happened I mean sometimes we're you know in the middle of doing stuff and it's like hey where are we sending this energy you know and it's just as simple as that sometimes I mean there's been times where we've been walking in the woods and it's like hey you know because he can hear like other realms talking and that's a whole nother podcast but oh um, my gosh he's like, got to come on he's got to come on yeah. now that's cool. how'd you find what wait a minute wait a minute did you have to find a man that can hear other realms talking for you to like he couldn't do it when we met it, <gasps> it opened up and like <laughs> we met and i was talking about chakras and things and he was like i have no idea what you're on about you know he couldn't feel a thing and now he, yeah now he's got all sorts of superpowers that have been wait a minute what has this happened with any other man in your life no this no. special guy you somehow <laughs> he just oh i mean that is you might be the most powerful force in the world well i, I don't know about that i'm sure there's some very powerful <laughs> people out there i have access to some very powerful energy but i very much feel like i'm i'm just in service to it you know it's not about me personally it was just the um the task that i was given in this lifetime was to was to be the container or bringer of this energy and I, like I say, I really am in service to it. I've tried to leave it a lot, you know, like in the early days and even a few years ago, or it got, you know, people get the wrong idea about what you're doing or they think they can just walk up to you and tell you stuff. I've had guys hit on me with their wives across the room. And I yeah. tried to leave the work for a long time because of that. And eventually it was just like, no, this is, it keeps coming back to me, you know, it like someone would sit on ne next to me on the bus and tell me their sexual issues and they don't even know what I'm doing, you know? So, so then wow. I just decided maybe two, three years ago, I was like, okay, this is what I was put here to do. What happens if I own it? And life's been amazing ever since. That's awesome. That's Wait a sec. Fine. Just to wrap up, what is yeah. going on? What happened in the woods? So he hears other realms. You're walking oh, so in the woods might, with him. He might just be like, well, he also, you know, talked to trees and things. He might be, you know, let's do some, let's just, you know, send some sexual energy to this tree or share some sexual energy. It needs a little healing or, um, you know, I've, I've felt before that I needed to like, I don't even know how to put it. You could say have sex with, but it's not it's not a physical thing, but energetically with, you know, patches of earth or a body of water. Yeah. Um, you know, for something, you know, like it's asking for that energy and it's going to do something positive. It's going to transmute it in some way. And wow, I know wow. Totally mad, no, but. no, I had I had a shaman on the show. I think this was her that talked about like making love to trees for sure mm. in that way. Yeah. Um, so don't worry. It's, it's a thing. Out there. Um, but yeah, yeah. Uh, wow. I I'm still like amazed that you like opened this guy up to like speaking to other realms, like what in the world? Look, this Rebecca Lowry, she's got skills. What happened? What else? Yeah. I mean, it's a whole nother thing. I'm just, I'm very aware of time. No, 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 no. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. You said actually. We got to go well, down this loop. What's the, what, what, what were you going to say? I think the thing that opened, that originally opened the, I mean, you know, there was a lot of loosening of the jar as it were, where he was doing a lot of work and learning about energy and that sort of thing. And we attended, uh, um, uh, was, I can't even remember what it was, but a thing where we were all asked to create our own rituals of you know, energy rituals. And there were a lot of people who did similar work to me and we did a, 
a kind of ritual with someone who um, said he was going to call the the fairy realm through my partner. And my partner was like, what a load of twaddle is that? Right. He didn't believe it for a minute. (laughs) Right. Right. And so we did this whole thing. And the next thing you know, he's he's talking like not him. And he's he's looking at us and and going you could see he's freaking out, but this other language and person and, and information is coming out. This whole ritual thing happened. And at the end of it, he was like, what the fuck was that? And then since then he could kind of tune in and he doesn't, he hasn't really talked to the fairy realm for a long time. That was like an entry thing several years ago. But from then, if he goes out, he has to clear himself a lot. You know, you can't just go out like, yeah. hey, a person with my everyday stuff going on and, and hear the trees suddenly. Like he has to kind of do a lot of clearing on himself to get there. But then he can, you know, tune in and, and hear other things. So anyone oh, could. Just yeah. most people don't do the work to be able to hear past, you know, all the chatter in their own head. Wow. Wow. And I imagine if people pick up your book, which came out two years ago, uh, but still looks like it's um, got some insight into all of this 101 meditations for life, business and bedroom success. That's going to lead people to starting to clean out stuff as well as working with you at uh, self-alchemy.com. But who knows could be changed by then um you'll yeah. redirect pe- the the website will redirect people yeah 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 Just look for my name they'll find me everywhere rebecca lowry this has been a uh yeah meditate think on these ideas clear the cobwebs uh hey if you're promiscuous it could be fun it could be great you might open up your lover to other astral realms because of your promiscuity. That's what I'm taking away from this episode. But choosing it from a conscious place in you, not just because, you know, not coming from a, a bad or abusive place in you. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Be promiscuous in, with, with self-love. Intention. With intention. Yes. Yes. Uh, That's good. That's good. Um, Yes, Rebecca, this was very fun. I really enjoyed having you on. Oh, thank you so much. I, I really enjoyed it. I could talk about this stuff all day long. So thank you. Come back anytime. Open loops. Open loops. Open loops. Open loops. Open loops. You must listen to the open loops, a theme park for absurd beliefs and systems of integration between the mind and the creative spirit. Open loops.